Life Baptist preaching, where we grow disciples, we grow relationships, and we grow in Jesus Christ. This series is entitled, On the Christian Life. Studying the book of 1 John, we are taught what should and should not be included in the Christian life. We hope that you join us here each Lord's Day, and you can subscribe so that you don't miss a single Sunday. We are continuing in our study of 1 John. There is an outline on the back of the bulletin. The whole letter seems to work together in explaining to us a study on the Christian life. Uh, what is and what is not part of the Christian life, and by and large, we will find ourselves in a discussion on sanctification. So this morning we see Christ, our righteousness. And yet that certainly involves our own responsibility in sanctification. Let us stand and read 1 John chapter 2, verse 1 through 6. My little children, these things write I unto you that ye sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. And he is the propitiation for our sins. And not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. And hereby we do know that we know him if we keep his commandments. He that saith, I know him, and keepeth not his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoso keepeth his word, in him verily is the love of God perfected. Hereby we know that we are in him. He that saith he abideth in him ought himself also so to walk even as he walked. Father, we come to you this morning. And Lord, just as John reminds us in this text, we are we're aware of our sin. We're aware of our sinfulness. Many here have come to know you. Lord, we indeed love the Son. And yet, Father, we, we look forward to, we yearn after the completion of this work that we might sin no more and bring reproach upon your name. Father, we pray this morning that you would do the work by your word and your spirit. <clears throat> Lord, that you would Bring this work to completion. Father, that we would be sanctified and made holy in your sight. That you would impart to us wisdom. That we would come to know you better. And that you would have your full effect in us, your people. 
Lord, we ask all this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. I began, and I, and I drew reference to John's word in, in another passage. There's no greater joy than in my children, see my children walking in the truth. And here this morning, we read in <clears throat> chapter 2 of his first epistle, he addresses his audience, my little children. And so just for the sake of honesty, we want to acknowledge he's not merely talking to children here. This isn't a children's church lesson or any other thing. This is the way that he is addressing those whom he has brought up in the faith. These young Christians, those who have heard the milk of the gospel, they have taken it, and, and he wishes to deliver them the meat of the gospel. My little children, hear, hear these things. Let me bring you along in the Christian way. That is literally what the faith was called in their day, was the way. This is the way of Christ. And so we dealt with last week the topic of God being light. And we, get, we discovered something of his high moral standard that's given to us in his law. And how he cannot be anything other than holy and righteous because that is what God himself is. And all of that message, it completes our joy. And, and then this morning, John tells us the purpose for which he's writing. I want, you to, I want your joy to be made full. This is the message we received and delivered to you. And now I write this for the purpose that you may not sin. So we are talking about sanctification. And so it's good for us to go on and define for ourselves sanctification as we begin this talk and it's going to be important as we as we go to study all of the works that ought to be manifest in the Christian life we need to have a proper understanding here so that we can handle the word in the coming weeks to understand sanctification we must come first as we each have in our salvation we must understand what it means to be justified. Justified. We're told in Scripture that we are justified. Paul says in Romans, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You're, you're justified. Now this is the definition I use within my own home. It's justified means to be declared righteous. To be declared righteous. Righteous. So right out of the gate, we understand this work of God and whenever we discuss matters of salvation and we ask ourselves of the meaning of justification, we know God has done this thing. The work is finished. Christ is seated on His throne. He's the Lamb slain before the foundation of the world and already all those who would believe in Him are declared righteous in Christ. That's what's mean by the word justification. And yet, as I was reminded 
Even last night, by Dr. Sam Waldron, is we shouldn't think that justification is the beginning, the middle, and the end of salvation. Salvation is past, present, and future. We're justified in Christ and the works already accomplished. And yet we live in light of those things and we grow in holiness. This is the work of sanctification. And we also look forward to the promises that are given in the future. That might be called our glorification. So if justified means to be declared righteous, sanctified means to be made to be righteous. In Christ, we are made to be righteous. We're not just declared this way. No, we hear in Scripture that the Spirit comes to dwell within us. We have the Comforter in the Spirit of Christ Himself. Paul said, it is not I, but Christ in me. We are made to be this way. There is a transition where now we were convicted of the sin and the law. We're declared righteous, however, by God. And then He works this out in our life. So that law becomes to us a joy. And we follow it willingly. And we love it as more sin is revealed. And God continues this work of making us to be holy. This is why we receive commands in the New Testament. We're not just absent of commands. It is not a, a simple free-for-all. We live and walk in newness of life. So he writes this for the purpose that you would not sin, that the church would not walk in sin. Who here has succeeded in that? Nobody. And yet, who here has experienced a freedom from certain sins past? Where they're not enslaved to those sins. Now they're at war against them. Sure. That is the work. And if you haven't experienced that, any level of freedom, if there's been no change in your life, friend, we need to come back to we need to come back to Scripture and we need to see that you've truly understood the grace offered in Jesus Christ because it is transformative. Thus John beckons us to the conversation here. And yet he says, but if any man sin, we have an advocate. We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. That's where our hope is. Understand, your hope never moves away from Jesus Christ. It never moves away from Him. In Christ there is therefore now no condemnation. In Christ you have been justified. And yet in Christ you are built up to good works. In Christ you have an advocate with the Father. If indeed you sin. 
Now, no one raised their hand when they said that they felt that they were without sin, that they had succeeded in not sinning. Christian, you have an advocate with the Father. This is almost a, a legal term. One who is pleading your case. One who has stood in the fold. And there's, there's a whole host of terms that apply this advocacy of Jesus Christ to the believer. This is something promised from long ago. Isaiah himself writes to us. In Isaiah 53, Therefore I'll divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he hath poured out his soul unto death, and he was numbered with the transgressors, and he bare the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. Here we read, if you're a sinner, if you still have this sin, though you're a Christian, you've been declared righteous, but, but, but you don't understand because there's still sin in your life, you have an advocate with Him. He's the intercessor for the sinner. That's what was promised to us. God writes in His Word through Paul in Romans, Who is he that condemneth? Romans 8, the same chapter that speaks to us this justification, he later says, Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again, who's even at the right hand of God. And listen to this, friends, who also maketh intercession for us. Paul writes to the Christian and says Christ lives always to intercede on your behalf. You were a failure in the law whenever He sent His Son. You were an enemy of God whenever He so justified us and sought to, to have us reconciled to Himself. And yet now, even as that has occurred, even as you are born again in the Spirit, Christ still makes intercession on our behalf. At the right hand of God. This is after all of the work was finished on the cross when Christ said it is finished and whenever the word tells us he was seated at the right hand of God waiting for him to make his enemies a footstool at this point right now at the right hand of the throne of glory he intercedes on behalf of the Christian always we have an advocate in Christ Jesus this is why the writer of Hebrews says in 7.25 when he speaks of Christ, this high priest, he says, but this man, in verse 24, because he continueth forever, hath, hath an unchangeable priesthood. Wherefore, he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing 
that he ever liveth to make intercession for them. Does that not give you joy? Does that not give you joy that as you struggle in this fight against sin, even a sin that Christ died to redeem you from, not that you should walk in it, but that you should walk in newness of life, and here He lives and continues to intercede on your behalf. You are not alone in this endeavor. It is not you who lives, but Christ in you. You have a help. The word intercessor in this advocacy and what we read of this propitiation is literally translated elsewhere, our help. We have a help, a helper in him. This is this advocacy that he gives to us. He is the propitiation for our sins. He is the propitiation. If he is the advocate, if he's the lawyer who pleads our case, he himself is the argument that he gives. When Christ stands in, in the fold here, when He comes and argues our cause before the Father, He Himself is the argument. He is both the advocate and the propitiation or the expiation or the fulfillment of that law. He says to the Father, the way that we have such confidence is because He comes to the Father and He doesn't say, oh God, surely they're good enough. Surely they've come up to par. Look at how deceitful all the rest of the world is. No, He says, Father, for I have died for them. They are washed in My blood. I am the propitiation for these that I'm interceding for. So He is the advocate and He is the propitiation. What wonderful news for us. How could the Father then deny His grace upon His church when Christ Himself stands in the fold and, and, and has shed His blood on their behalf? And so understand... This advocacy. Now John, John writes this. He writes it to the early church. He wants them to know, listen, this is the fulfillment. This is the promise you receive. But it's, but it's not you. It's not to establish uh, some form of elitism. It's not to... To, to simply make you this small, small tribe of people in the world. He says, oh no. Remember the promise. Remember the prophecy. Remember the teaching in the work of Christ. No. He's the propitiation of the whole world. Now friends, 
Don't twist Scripture here and think that every ungodly, every unbeliever out there who scorns God has no sin. That their sin has been removed as far as the east to the west. And yet God presses them so to understand that this is a people that will cover the face of the world. Here we live, approaching 2,000 years later, and this stands true for us today. This gospel that comes to us through Jesus Christ is so effective that of the most darkened sinner in our ranks, should they turn to Christ? He tells us they, he is that intercessor. He is that advocate because he makes propitiation for everyone who is in Christ Jesus. The whole world means that gospel is still in effect. That gospel, wherever or whenever it was that your eyes were opened, God didn't stop and say, that's it. That's my goal. But He reminds us, this isn't for you only. You, Christian, are not the center of God's universe but it's for every last one who will call upon the name of Christ. Indeed, it is Christ who is the intercessor. It's Christ who is that propitiation. Every name written in the book of life, every name that the Son will utter to the Father is the one who is saved. You're not the sinner. This is why we preach the gospel. This is why we seek to save the lost. Why we're told to snatch some from the fire while we're able. We have an advocate with the Father. And yet we read. That John is concerned with our righteousness. He says, hereby we know that we know him if we keep his commandments. This is how you know that the argument has been made. This is how you know your case is surely stated. It stands up to the judgment of God. It stands up. It holds water. He says, we know that we know him if we keep his commandments. He says, he that saith, I know him and keepeth not his commandments, he's a liar and the truth isn't in him. Indeed, there is a one who says, Lord, 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 I, I'm the Christian. Have I not cast out demons, performed miracles and prophesied in your name? This is Matthew 7, 21. And he'll say, depart from me, you worker of iniquity, for I never knew you. This is the one who is a liar that John's talking about. 
This is the one who is not, who does not have the representative of Christ before him. He's the one who is not rested in the advocacy and in the propitiation of the Son. It is the one who does not walk in the command. It is the one who holds his sin that Christ died to reconcile us from. He is the one who, who, who shuns the righteousness of Christ himself, who does not walk in him, who, who refutes his commandments. He is not the one who so keepeth his word and in him verily is the love of God perfected. Hereby we know that we are in him. How do you know it? Because Christian, our righteousness is in Christ. Your righteousness is in Christ. We've talked about having a big view of Jesus, having a high Christology, if you will. Christ is our righteousness. Let's tease this out and just kind of test ourselves here. Let's consider our evangelism. What is your response when the law is preached to you? As in our catechism, we go through the Ten Commandments. And right now we're in the vertical commandments. There's very little argument because people realize they're arguing with God. But how do you interact with the law? Have no other gods before me. Is your time, your money, your effort more for any other thing in this world? Are you a worshiper of tradition? Are you a worshiper of sports? How do you interact with this? Is that offensive to you? Keeping his name holy, do we control our idle speech and our tongue? Keeping holy the Sabbath, how do we feel when the pastor says, why haven't you been here? Why have you forsaken the gathering together? What, what will be our response, I wonder, whenever we are told to honor these authorities God has placed in our life? Or whenever we're confronted with our murderous heart or our adulterous eye or our greed, the way that we steal and we covet and we envy, I can tell you, there's only one of two ways that you'll respond. You'll either say, thou shalt not judge me because the law stings you. The law hurts and it's binding. This is what it does to the entire world. This is what it does to every wretched sinner who is in rebellion to God. But then comes the gospel. If you're a Christian, the word, the word gives us our response. 
Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, sin, where is your victory? If indeed you're a Christian and you hear that law preached, you don't wince because the law has lost its sting. It's become a nurturer to you. You have seen it satisfied in Christ Jesus. And when you hear the law preached, instead, it is not oppressive to you. But we see the salve of the gospel come and applied and the Spirit then takes that. And we see the law now rooting out sin from our life that Christ has already redeemed us from. Do you understand that transition? The Christian hears the law. They fall broken in tears and in thankfulness as God begins to pull out deeper roots of sin from our wretched hearts. Whether it is by means of His Word, if it's by means of church discipline, if it's by means of, of the edification of our brothers that spur us on to good works, we fall in thankfulness as the light of God. We just studied last week this light of God, God being light, and the light shines in the darkness, and we thank God for it. You see, we don't respond as, as John did in his gospel like those who the light shined in the darkness and the darkness received it not. We're not those people. If you're a Christian, you're not in the darkness. You receive that law and it's sad because you have had the light has shined on the darkness of your hearts. It has rooted it out and we love it. It becomes a joy to us. And so when we read these things about walking in His commands, that law is our liberty in Christ. In Christ alone. Many come to the law and feel that conviction of sin. But it's in Christ that we read that. Which is why it is reiterated for you. Consequently, He's able to save to the uttermost. He has done the work that has satisfied the penalty of your sin. He died where you should die. And every sin you commit is there on that cross. We read that He was made to be sin. The wrath of God that is due you is paid for in Christ if you are a Christian, if you so believe. Why then would you have reason to still hate His command? And, and friends, look around you. We've had this talk about justification and sanctification. Those who are justified are brought on and sanctified. Paul says... I that I pray that the one who started this good work in you will bring it to completion. The ones who refuse to be sanctified in the Lord Jesus will, will quickly go about trying to justify themselves because they are not satisfied with the justification that God provides in Christ. 
Do they not do this? Your sin's worse. I'm not that bad. It's okay for me to, to do this. Let's never come to the point of judgment at sin. Friends, listen. The cross is God's judgment of our sin. God forbid that He did not judge our sin. Then we would not have Christ. You would not have this advocate. You would not have this propitiation. So friends, as John walks through this, he wastes no time in calling you to this repentance and faith. You're going to need it. What we're talking about here in all of this sanctification, this is what it means to be the Christian. And we haven't even begun to handle the practical matters of our life. We haven't even begun to address those laws that we fail as a Christian. Now, now I want to guard you because if, if you're not a Christian, I want you to know the grace of God through Jesus Christ. And you have to understand this justification. You have to come to Him. You've got to see your failures. And if you're feeling the sting of the law, let it do its full work and produce the repentance in you or else you'd be cast out and you're better off leaving now because it's going to get real. When the Spirit, by His Word, works in our hearts and lays bare the sin that remains in you. This is the task to which John is called, where he's taking us to task as Christians. So we pray to God that we would learn to rely upon Jesus Christ fully. Fully, as, he, as we seek full maturity in the faith, that we would not go on and fall back again to, to the works of the law. No, brothers and sisters, we're talking about works of grace. About a, an abiding language. He that saith he abide in him. We walk in Christ. And so we will forever To live is Christ for the Christian. And so let us pray that this grace would overwhelm us. That you would hold fast to Christ. That you would not forget the light that comes to shine in this darkness that reveals our sin. We've established the foundation hope that you're spending the time in God's word to meditate upon these truths for the coming weeks you will hear more and more of what it means to live the Christian life to walk in newness of life and it is by abiding in Christ who is our righteousness Father, we come to you and we ask that you do continue to shine Father, we remember all that you have taught us in the in the past weeks, Lord, and we receive this teaching. Everyone here who is yours hears your voice. This is the promise of Scripture, Lord, and I pray, Lord, that if there be some 
who need to be reminded of this grace of the gospel, that they would see this grace is not a partial grace. It's not a grace that leaves off after, after a, a brief experience or in an emotional uh, circumstance, but Lord, that it brings us to completion. It is a grace in which we are free to walk. We walk again in fellowship as we enter into new and fresh gardens of communion with our Lord and Savior, with our God and our High King in Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray that You would bring it to completion in this, Your congregation, the body at New Life Baptist. That we would be sanctified. That we would be a brotherhood that sharpens one another. That we would be a people of your word that teaches and trains and reproves and corrects us. That we may be equipped for every good work of righteousness in Christ Jesus. Indeed, Father, we are thankful for this work of Christ who is both our advocate and intercessor. He himself is the blood and the, the argument that clears our name. Father, we ask that you go with us, that you perfect us in this holy work of sanctification that that is done by your spirit. We ask this in the name of Jesus Christ, the righteous. Amen. Thank you for listening to New Life Baptist Preaching, where we grow disciples, we grow relationships, and we grow in Jesus Christ. Please subscribe so you don't miss a single Sunday.